A couple of weeks ago, I started this series talking about how Jesus is more than a Savior. He is the King and, and how that we have to get a complete revelation of Jesus. Jesus is not just here to save you and heal you and, and deliver you and do things for you. He's here to rule your life. He is the only one worthy to rule your life. He is here to be not only Savior, but to be King and, and that He should be on the throne of your heart and your life. And the last Sunday I spoke to you about how we are subjects of King Jesus. We are citizens of the kingdom of God and how we ought to conduct ourselves differently than the people of the world and how we, we shouldn't live by our feelings, but by the word of God. We, we, we shouldn't uh, live as if we are in charge and our desires matter, but according to the word of God, we live for King Jesus and his desires and his plan. And we submit to his plan willingly and gladly. And I know some people are going to hear that and they're going to think, wow, that sounds terrible. I'm my own boss. Well, that's because you haven't had a true revelation from God who, of who Jesus really is. And, and when you really see Jesus for the love that he has and who he has, you have no other choice but to, but to bow and, and to place him on the, on the throne of your heart and serve him. I'm a subject of King Jesus and it's his plan that matters. So I will conduct my life to the best of my ability with his power at work in me. I will be honorable and, and just and fair and, and, and I will represent Christ well. I will sacrifice my own self for his purpose and his kingdom. So we've talked about the reality of King Jesus. Jesus. We've talked about how our lives are a response to his kingship. And now I want to talk about the church as a whole and how that as citizens of the kingdom, we are supposed to be advancing the kingdom. So number one, get this, the king has come. A lot of people don't believe that, but it doesn't matter. The king has come. There have been many kings throughout the course of history here on earth, but I want you to know the king of kings has come and his name is Jesus. And when Jesus came, he defeated sin and death. He was obedient in life and death and he defeated the power of darkness. Uh, he gave us an opportunity to have victory by grace through faith. The King has come. What no one else could do to set us free, Jesus did to set us free. And because the King has come, the kingdom has come. That's right. The kingdom of God has come. That means people can become citizens of the kingdom of God. That's right. You can become a citizen of the kingdom of God. And in fact, if you're a child of God, you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I hope you're waking up to that realization that not only are you under the rulership and protection of King Jesus, you have an obligation and responsibility as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. The king has come and he's brought the kingdom with him. Praise God. Now his kingdom's not of the world. His kingdom is a spiritual kingdom right now, but we as God's children are portals to the kingdom. In other words, there are times when the spiritual kingdom comes through us out into the world. And we're going to get into that more and more here in just a minute. But I want you to know that your life is a portal to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is at work in you and should be at work through you. Praise his wonderful name. Now, before King Jesus came and brought the kingdom of God to planet earth, the kingdom of darkness 
ruled and reigned. The, the power of sin had its grip on mankind. In, in other words, if you sinned one time, you were guilty and you deserved death. That's what the Bible teaches, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that the wages of sin is death, and there's nothing that you can do to change that. You can't earn anything differently. The best that you can do is hope for a Savior, and a Savior came. His name is King Jesus. And when King Jesus came, he was obedient in life. He was obedient in death. He rose from the, the grave on the third day victorious. He went into the grave with our sin. He came out without it, righteous, victorious, giving us the opportunity to be saved if we would just believe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. King Jesus came and has defeated the power of sin, the power of death, the power of the grave, so that even though I have sinned, even though I have been guilty of breaking the law, even though that's true, I am free in Him. I have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus. I am free in Him. Are you getting that? The kingdom of darkness ruled until the King came, and He defeated the kingdom of darkness, and, it, and now all you have to do is believe to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. Praise His wonderful name. That's the good news. Praise God. Praise God. But you know what? The kingdom of darkness is still functioning in the natural realm, in the flesh today, and in the spirit realm there. The, the kingdom of darkness is functioning, if you will, illegally. Satan has been defeated. The outcome for evil, for Satan and his uh, minions and, and demons, has been decided. You can read the back of the book uh, in the Bible and you can see how it's going to turn out. God wins. Love wins. Goodness wins. Jesus, King Jesus wins. That's how it turns out. But right now, it, it, it's like Satan is on the run. He's, he's, he knows his time is coming, but he's on the run. And while he's on the run, he's trying to do as much damage as possible. And let me tell you something. The devil goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I want you to know that if you don't believe in Jesus, if you're not born again and a part of his kingdom, if you haven't placed your faith and trust in Christ, then you are still under the power of sin and darkness. Just because Jesus declared victory and defeated the enemy doesn't mean it applies to you. It only applies to you when you trust in it and place your faith in it. You've got to believe. Jesus said that God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that if you would believe, then you would have everlasting life. Praise his name. So Satan is going about, he's got people confused and, and defeated and, and, and he's attacking and oppressing and he's lying to people all the time, the lie of the enemy. And you know, you may be wondering why, why does the devil even care? Well, the devil hates God. The devil rebelled against God. The devil is the father of all lies. He can't go to heaven and do anything against God, but he knows that if he speaks to you, you have a free will choice. And then if he can lie to you and get you to believe the lie, if he can oppress you and get you to believe your feelings, if he can get you in a position, you will make bad choices. You will believe the lie. You will doom yourself. And he knows God loves you. And God's not uh, doesn't want anyone to perish, but wants all 
to come to repentance. Yes, God loves you, no matter who you are, what you've done, how old you are, the color of your skin, it doesn't matter. God loves you, and He wants to be in a loving relationship with you. But Satan hates you, and he wants to destroy your life. He wants to lie to you and devour you, and this is where the battle comes into play. Praise God. Now, are you catching this? Are you with me so far? So there's a kingdom of darkness functioning illegally. Jesus has already defeated sin and death and took the keys of death, hell, and the grave so that if we would just believe, we could be free. And those who have believed have made Jesus their king and they are citizens of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom is within us. And we are portals for the kingdom of God. And let me tell you something. Two kingdoms can't reside in the same place at the same time especially if those kingdoms are diametrically opposed to one another. And listen, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness are completely opposites of one another. Somebody's got to win and somebody's got to go. Hmm? Now, I know you can look around and you can think, well, maybe the kingdom of darkness is winning, but I want you to know <laughs> the kingdom of darkness is going to lose and the kingdom of God is going to win. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me so, I have placed my faith and trust in God. Love wins at the end of the day. Praise His wonderful name. Praise His wonderful name. Yes, Satan used to be in charge. He is no longer in charge. Jesus has put him under his feet. Praise God. Praise God. He's been given power over all the power of the enemy. and He has given that power to us to go about and destroy the work of the enemy. Praise God. When Jesus came to earth, he went about doing good, healing all manner of sickness and destroying the works of the devil. Praise God. He went about doing good, destroying the works of the devil. Praise God. I'm just so grateful for Jesus and what he means. But you know what? It didn't stop with Jesus because he's empowered the church to do the same thing. Oh, I don't know if you noticed, but that's my, I can't hear you say amen. You got it? Yes, amen. He has empowered the church to go about doing good, healing all manner of sickness, and helping those, delivering those who have been oppressed by the devil. He has empowered and authorized us to use his name, to go in the power of his name and destroy the work of the devil. Praise his wonderful name. Now, let me clarify something for you. Uh, many people may be wondering, if the victory is already won, then why are we fighting a battle? And, and the best example I can give you is one I've, I've mentioned before, but I'm going to talk a little bit about him again today, and that is a Japanese soldier from World War II. His name was Hiro Onado, and he was stationed in 1944 out in the jungle somewhere, and uh, he was doing his thing, an obedient soldier. He was uh, doing what he was supposed to be doing, but he got so separated from the real world that he didn't know that in 1945, the Japanese surrendered and the war was over. So he kept doing what he thought he was supposed to be doing. He kept engaging himself in a war that was already over. 
After years, people came and looked for him and sought him out and people dropped leaflets from airplanes telling him the war was over. He wouldn't believe it. People came in person and told him he wouldn't believe it. Finally, he was convinced and he came back home. Finally, he was convinced. But you know how long it took him to leave a war that was already over? 29 years. He went into battle in 1944. The Japanese surrendered in 1945. And it was 29 years later until he finally came out. He was fighting a war that was already over. Somebody just needed to go and tell him. Somebody needed to convince him. Somebody needed to show him the proof. Somebody had to get to him so that he would believe. Church, that is where we are. There are people today out there in the world all over that don't know the story of the gospel. Many people, most people here in the U.S. have heard of Jesus. They know he died on a cross. They know that's the story, but they don't really know the gospel. They don't know how that can set them free. They don't understand it all. They see it as religion and behavior modification. They don't really get what transformation and grace is. And then there are people who, who know it, they understand it, but they just don't believe it. And it's, it's up to us to tell them, to convince them to be examples of transformation of the reality of love, the reality of Jesus. You see, that's the battle. While the devil tries to convince them there is no God, and if there is, he doesn't love you, it's our job to declare that King Jesus has come. He's defeated death for you because he loves you. And that if you would just believe, you would experience the purpose of life, the true meaning of life. It is our job to tell the truth to a world that needs to hear truth. It's our job to be an example of love, to be portals to the kingdom of God so that what is in heaven comes down through us here on planet earth. Are you with me today? I want you to get this church. We're supposed to be on offense, not defense. We're supposed to be advancing the kingdom. In fact, let me read some scriptures to you today. I'm going to start in Matthew. Thank you, Jesus. If you'd like to turn, or you can just look this up later, Matthew eleven twelve. 12. This is a scripture that puzzles people a lot, and I'm going to kind of do my best to explain it to you, but I want to just, uh, I want to just get a little seed from this. Uh, it's Matthew eleven twelve. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, this is Jesus speaking, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take it by force. He's talking about the kingdom. The kingdom of God suffers violence and violent men take it by force. Now, what does that mean exactly? There are two ways to interpret this. In fact, uh, it's really hard to know which way it's supposed to be interpreted. But one way is that uh, just as it's read here in the New American uh, Standard Bible, and that is that the kingdom of heaven uh, is attacked and is suffering violence from violent men who are trying to control it and attack it. Uh, the other interpretation you'll find is that the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men take hold of it. And uh, I, I don't really want to pick one or the other right now because it really doesn't matter. What this scripture illustrates for us is that there is a battle going on. It doesn't matter if it means the kingdom is advancing 
We know the kingdom should be advancing because the Bible continually tells us to do this. The example of the life of Jesus tells us to advance. Jesus didn't come and sit back. He went forward. He went about. He moved forward. He told us when he left to go. Everything about the New Testament church is about movement forward and advancing the kingdom. So it doesn't matter if you look at it that way. Also, the kingdom of God is continually coming up in battles against the kingdom of darkness. Huh? That's true, isn't it? The devil's trying to stop you, child of God. He's trying to destroy our church. He's trying to destroy our pastors and leaders and, and teachers. He's trying to destroy everything. And so, yes, there is a battle going on between the two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. The victory is already won, but some people just don't know the news yet. And we've got to go and declare the news. And, and we, as we declare, we're going to do things for people. We're going to uh, heal the sick and, and feed the hungry and help those who are in need. But listen, we've got to get on offense. Amen. You know, I, I love basketball, and basketball is a sport where when you get on the floor, you're playing both offense and defense, but they're at different times. There's a time to play defense, and, and, and defense means that you, you sit back, you guard the ground you already have. You react to what the other people, the other side is doing. That's defense. But then there's a time when you get the ball, when your team gets the ball, it's time to get on offense. And what do you do? You go down to their end and you put your ball in their basket. Right? You see, defense is standing your ground. Offense is taking ground. The church is on offense. Defense is protecting what you've got. Offense is taking. Amen. The church is on offense. Hallelujah. We've got the ball. Defense is reacting to what the other side does. Offense is being active and doing to them. Oh, I hope you're getting this. I hope you're getting this. Can I be honest with you? The church has been on defense too long, and I would hazard to say there are many of you out there that have been playing defense in your own personal Christian life way too long. What do I mean by that? I, I mean that you just want to live your life, and then if the devil attacks you or someone you love, then you react to his attack, and, and you pray and use the weapons that you have, spiritual weapons, to destroy uh, the attack of the enemy. And then once the, the attack is over, you go back to just resting and sitting still. But can I tell you something? That's defense. And the church is not on defense. The church is on offense. It is our time to forcefully advance the kingdom of God, taking territory from the enemy, destroying the works of the devil. Can I tell you something? We are not just citizens. We are spiritual warriors of the kingdom. And a spiritual warrior is prepared to fight, trained to fight. Not only that, he is looking for a fight. Church, we ought to be looking for a fight with the devil. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, praise his name. He's given us power and authority and said to go, and we ought to go about finding the work of the devil in this earth and in people's lives and destroy it. 
So what does it mean to be on offense? we got to understand some things. And I want to read my next uh, passage of Scripture to you in Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Be strong in the Lord. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. There's that battle, us against the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Great description of us as spiritual warriors, spiritual warriors. I want to talk to you about that today, some aspects of the war, of the battle that you need to understand. Uh, the first one is, who are we fighting? We are fighting the enemy, the devil, Satan, and his schemes and his plans. First and foremost, the enemy is Satan. He says here, flesh and blood is not who we're fighting against. People are not the enemy. So listen, Christian, if you think that the enemy is people who are pro-abortion or or people who've committed crimes, if you think the enemy is terrorists and Muslims, that is not the enemy. There could be enemies of the, the, the nation. There could be enemies in, in, in earthly, natural sense. But truthfully, we don't fight against people. Satan is the one we're fighting against. He is the father of all eyes. Let me tell you something. I know there's some evil people in the world and there's some evil systems in the world that we're going to stand against and we're going to try to fight against the systems of the world. But listen, all of it finds its genesis, its origin, its backing, its spiritual power in Satan. Can I tell you something? We've seen a lot of hatred in the world. And you know where the spirit of hatred comes from? It comes from Satan. We've seen a lot of lies and, and illusion and delusion in the world. You know where that comes from? It comes from Satan. Our battle, first and foremost, is against Satan. It is he who has brought evil and is stoking the fires and lying to people and inspiring hatred and wickedness in the world. We come against the principalities of darkness and Jesus has given us power to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. 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 You got to get that in your mind because it's so easy to get sucked in to hating on the people who disagree with you and hating on the people. But listen, people are not... The enemy, people are not, even if they're fighting, even if they call you the enemy, they're not. In fact, that's why Jesus said to love your enemies. You know why? Because people are not the enemies. They are the objects of God's love. Jesus came for the people who hate you. He died for the people who call you enemy. He loves the people who want to see you dead as much as he loves you. He knows they've been, they've been caught up in sin under the power of darkness, lied to by the enemy enemy, being used by the devil, living under illusion and delusion, 
And he wants you to declare the truth, the love of God to be an example of the kingdom so they can be set free in Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. We don't fight against the world. We fight against the devil. The devil is the enemy. He's the one that we're going after. Hallelujah. He's the one we're looking for. And, and the next question, where do we fight? Some people, once again, want to get sucked into all of the fight being in the natural realm. And, and I'm not saying there's not a fight in the natural realm here on planet Earth. But what I am saying is that the real fight, the, the, the fight that we first have to fight is the spiritual fight. We're always talking about people need to change and hearts need to change. Society needs to change. Well, listen, nothing's going to change without Jesus from the inside. We can make rules and laws and, and, and have all kinds of societal pressures to affect people on the outside. But until God changes people on the inside, nothing will change in them. They need Jesus, the transformation of being born again, their spirits brought to life. So our battle begins in the spirit realm. That's right. That's right. We got to get into the spirit realm and fight the battle in the spirit realm. Can I tell you, church, that's where your power is. You spend so much time fighting in the natural when your, your power lies in the spirit realm. If you'd get in the spirit realm and fight, you'd destroy way more. You'd overcome way more. You'd be victorious in way more situations and circumstances if you'd get in the spirit realm and fight there first. Come on. Now, after we fight in the spirit realm, yes, there are things that we're going to do in the natural world. There are evil things, evil systems. Yes, I believe that we should stop abortion. Yes, I believe we should stop police brutality. Yes, I believe we should punish and, and bring the best justice that we can as human beings. But listen, all of that initiates from a spiritual battle, from a spiritual place. If you go into war in the natural without having gone to war in the spiritual, you're going to lose. Because your power is not in the natural. Your power is in the spirit realm. And the spillover, this is how it works. The spirit realm is where things begin, where they are created, where the beginning happens. And then as we believe them, they begin to become reality in the natural realm. So I want to tell you, child of God, it's okay to fight in the natural realm. It's okay to fight for injustice and battles. It's a wonderful thing, but it begins with prayer in the spirit realm. It begins with the word in the spirit realm. It begins in your spirit. So we're fighting the devil and we're fighting in the spirit realm first. So that's who we're fighting. That's where we're fighting. The next question I want to uh, answer for you is how do we fight? How do we fight? He says here, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not earthly. They're not fleshly. We don't fight the way the world fights. I'm going to give you another one of these because I, I need an amen from you on that. I said, we don't fight the way the world fights. Hmm? Oh, I'm just, I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit marinate that into your mind. We don't use the same weapons that the world uses. You can't win a spiritual fight with an earthly weapon. You know, I always think of David who killed Goliath. And before he went out to face Goliath, King Saul put his armor on David and, and uh, David couldn't bear it. It was too, too much for him. And, and, and so he took it off. And to me, that's a great example of how that when the world tries to get you to use their weapons to fight spiritual battles, just throw it off. Just, 
just, uh, no, I'm not going to fight your way. I'm not going to think your way. I'm not going to act your way. I'm not going to talk your way. I'm throwing off the weapons that the world uses because all I need is this spiritual little slingshot and faith in God. That's all I need. Hallelujah. God's got spiritual weapons for you and we fight with spiritual weapons. So what are our weapons? What do we use when we're, when we see uh, terrible things happen, when we, we see hatred and the, and the devil working on people's lives and bringing sickness and poverty and, and anger and division and divorce? What are the weapons that we have? Well, one, we have truth. Truth in the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. Now, I know there are a lot of people trying to bend the Word of God to fit the way the world is today, but can I tell you something? The church ought to be bending the world to fit to the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. It is the truth. And as citizens of the kingdom and warriors, we go about declaring the truth of God's word. It doesn't matter what men say and what the opinion of the the latest poll is. What matters is what God said. If God said it, I believe it. And that's the way it is. Let every man be a liar. God's word is true. We will declare truth to a world that's been lied to. We will declare truth to a world that has had the wool pulled over their eyes. We will wipe away all of the stuff that's blinding them from what is really true by declaring the Word of God. Listen, the Word of God is powerful. When you speak it and you believe in it, it comes to pass in the natural realm. Hallelujah. And so I know the Word. I speak the Word. I believe the Word. And I pray the Word. Yes, your power is truth, the Word of God, and your power is prayer. The Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of those who are righteous does a lot of good. It accomplishes great things. Yes, Jesus said you don't have because you haven't asked. And some of you that ask, don't ask with faith. But if you ask with faith, God moves on our behalf. In fact, there's nothing impossible to him who believes. Yes, no matter what you're going through with all things, Go to the Lord in prayer. Take it to God in prayer. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Yes, when we pray, things change. Not only on behalf of ourselves, not only on, on defense, but when we go into other people's lives, we pray and God does a miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We've prayed for the sick this week. Uh, a family that had been sick with a coronavirus and, and uh, in the hospital and, and a small child, I believe six months, not doing too well. We prayed. We continued to pray. And uh, I believe yesterday it was that Kathy got a, a picture and they're all home and they're starting uh, to feel themselves again. And we believe that the, the hand of God was in that. And, and we believe that because we pray, things turned out differently. There's power in our prayers. And, and, and when things are in front of us that we see are wrong, one of the first things we do is drop to our knees and petition God and bind the enemy and believe God for the miraculous. Hallelujah. So we have truth in the word of God. We believe it. We declare it. We have prayer. We exercise it. We speak in the name of Jesus. And we have love in action. Hallelujah. We have love in action. In other words, love doesn't just feel for somebody. It does something about it. Yes, we go out and actually do things for folks. Amen. That's one of the things that we want to be the hallmark of Austin Alive Church is not just that we talk about things, but that we go out and do them. In other words, how do we fight? We fight 
lies by telling the truth. We fight hunger by feeding the hungry. We fight hatred by loving our enemies. Oh, I'm getting into your world today, ain't I? We fight loneliness by being friendly. We fight sickness by praying for the sick. We fight sickness by paying for someone's medicine who can't afford it. Whatever it takes, we fight. We fight the devil and the works of the devil and the hurts and pains of this life. We fight with love in action. For How can you say you love your brother when you see him in need and you do nothing but pat him on the back and say, I wish you well? Listen, we have been given blessings and opportunities and love demands that we do something. Yes, we declare the truth of the word of God. Yes. We pray, but that's not all we do. At some point, we get up off our knees. At some point, we go out and we put our hands on people and we pray for the sick and we lift them up and we give them the last little bit of money we got or we share our food with them or we just encourage them with a smile or kindness or we get in depth and we tell them the whole story of Jesus and how that he could save them. Wherever we see hatred, we give love. Wherever we see uh, illusion, we give truth. Wherever we see oppression, we set them free in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And listen, once again, we're not on defense. We're on offense. We're going looking. We get up and we go out and we're looking for it. Amen. So we fight with the word of God and truth. We fight with prayer and we fight with love that acts on behalf of others. And finally today, I want to just give you four things. And there are other things that you could list that are the weapons of our warfare. But, but we declare the kingdom of God. Yes, we declare King Jesus and the kingdom of God is here. And you can be a part of the kingdom by faith. Yes, we declare the gospel message. I know there are many people who want the church to just uh, stop talking about salvation and just feed people and and do good things and, and help people, but shut up about salvation and, and all of that kind of stuff. But let me tell you something. The church exists first and foremost to declare the kingdom of God. Feeding people, helping the poor, doing good in the world today, that's an outflow of the love that we've received because of Jesus. It gives us an opportunity to be examples of the love of God and what has been put within us. But that's not the primary purpose of the church. The primary purpose of the church is to, to declare that the king has come, the kingdom is here, and you can be a part of it. Join the kingdom of God. Join the kingdom of heaven. Join the kingdom of righteousness. Join the good kingdom because good things are ahead for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus came to save you and pull you out of the kingdom of darkness and bring you into the kingdom of light. He came to, to give you eternal life, to be with him, to be on the winning side. Hallelujah. Yes, the enemy is working. He's going around trying to kill, steal, and destroy. His power has been limited. Mostly he's just bringing lies and illusions to people's minds. And, and so they'll believe it. And they'll act upon the lie and destroy their own lives. And he's out there functioning. Oh, but King Jesus has taken all the power away from him. And King Jesus has authorized us as citizens of the kingdoms to go into the world and declare the good news of Jesus Christ. That's right. 
folks, we need to be on offense. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this thought. You know, I, I was reading the 23rd Psalm recently, and I got to that part that I always dwell on, that he will prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the table before is, is, is like, it's an example of God's provision, how he's going he's gonna to provide for you, strengthen you, give you the things that you need. In the presence of mine enemies describes the truth that we're not in heaven yet. We're here. This is warfare. We're in a theater of operations, if you will. We're, we're in a place where there's a spiritual war going on. And, you know, I always took in the presence of mine enemies to mean that David was just minding his own business and people were coming after him, that the enemy was coming after him and he was playing defense. But you know what? I got a revelation. I got a revelation that we're supposed to be in the presence of our enemies, not just because the enemy comes after us, but because we go after the enemy. Church, let me tell you something. We are supposed to continually be surrounded by the presence of enemies because we are continually going after the enemy to destroy what he's doing. If you and I are not surrounded by the enemies, if we're not surrounded by the work of the devil, that means we have not advanced ourselves and the kingdom into his territory. But we need to be in the presence of God. And then the good shepherd promises that when you're in the middle of the fight and the enemy's all around you, I'm going to set a table before you and I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to empower you. And as you go in my name, things are going to change if you would just advance the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Can we just praise God today? Hallelujah to our King. Hallelujah, Jesus. The kingdom of God is here. It's real. It's palpable. It lives within us right now. Hallelujah. And I am a citizen of the kingdom of God. And I pledge today to advance the kingdom of God. So this is what I want us to do. When we get up in the morning, in fact, when you leave this message today, start looking for a fight. Not an earthly fight, not a fight with people. Start looking for a fight with the devil. Start looking for a person he's been harassing. He's put sickness and oppression. He's put lies upon them. And what do you do? Start loving them. Start loving them. Start declaring good news to them. Start out by doing acts of service and sacrifice to them. Start praying for them. Start rebuking the devil over their lives. Start using the name of Jesus as your authority as you pray over them and speak into their life. And then you follow up with acts of love and help and encouragement. Yes, the choice will be up to them. But the message has to be carried by you, church, and we've got to get on offense. It is our time to advance the kingdom. We've got the ball. We've got to move forward in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not just a spiritual warrior. I'm not just ready for a fight. I am looking for one in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise His wonderful name. Father, I pray for your people today that you would empower us. Yes, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. 
There's a war going on. Help us to realize that we're not on defense. We're not sitting at home. We're not, we're not police officers protecting what's already there. We're soldiers taking territory. That's our spiritual position. God, let us know. Let us have a heart for those who are hurting. God, it's so easy to just think about us and ourselves and, and kind of have the, that's their problem. I don't want to think about it or worry about it. But God, I pray that we would think about it and we would worry about our fellow man and our fellow brothers. And Father, we would care for them. And it wouldn't matter if we were, they were on a different political side or it wouldn't matter if they have a, a difference of opinion about doctrine. It wouldn't matter if they differ in color of the skin or, or what their background or, or education is. It doesn't matter. They're people. Let us have compassion for them. Fill us with love for them. A love that's so strong it has to act. We have to do something. We can't sit down anymore. We have to act upon it. We have to advance and destroy the work of the devil, but we're going to do it with love. We're not going to do it the way the world does it. We're going to fight the enemy, not each other. We're going to fight in the spirit realm first before we do anything in the natural we're not going to use the weapons of this world. We're going to use the weapons of spiritual warfare. Yes. And we're going to do it for this reason, God, because you love people. The reason that we fight this battle is because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts and we love people. And Father, I pray that you just fill us with love and compassion for others, God, that we would have compassion for them and love for them. We would be examples of love. We would be counterculture. We would go the other way when people expect revenge and hatred, when people expect selfishness and putting yourself at the top and stepping on everyone else. Let us be counter to that. Let us be lights in a dark place. Let us be salt on an earth that's rotting away, God. Let us be portals of the kingdom as we declare the king has come and the kingdom is here. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let us wake up every day knowing that we have the authority, the power, the spiritual weapons to go into a world that needs us and destroy the work of Satan, destroy hatred, destroy hunger, destroy delusion, destroy loneliness, destroy the power of sin that's already been completed at the cross. Yes, thank you, Jesus, that you've already won the victory, Lord, that we're not fighting for the victory. You've already won it. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting to declare the victory that people would see it and believe it, Jesus. Thank you for that, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray for your people, God. May your church rise up full of the Holy Spirit in power, have a chip on our shoulders looking for a fight with the devil. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen.